hope by now we have agreed to do just that. After the first two sermons, we have seen that we have been given an invitation by none other than Jesus Christ to build a life that really matters. We have also been given the construction plans to build that life by following the life, the teachings, and the ministry of Jesus. Today's sermon is entitled, Putting Together the Construction Crew. Nobody builds alone. We will take the final step before we actually begin construction by putting together a crew who will help us build or rebuild a new faith-filled life. You know, building contractors are pretty smart. At least they're smarter than some other professionals. There were two big conferences in Los Angeles recently, one for building contractors and one for lawyers. They were both held in the same hotel downtown. On the first day of the conference, people who were going to both conferences ran into each other at the Blue Line station and chatted while they were waiting in line to buy their tickets. When they reached the counter, the three lawyers bought three tickets and watched as the three contractors only bought one ticket. How can three people going to travel on only one ticket, asked the lawyer. Watch and you'll see, said the contractor. They all got on board the plane. The lawyers took their respective seats, but all three contractors crammed into a restroom and closed the door behind them. Shortly after the train departed, the conductor came around and collected the tickets. He knocked on the restroom door and says, Ticket, please. The door opens just a little bit, and out comes a hand with one ticket. The conductor takes it and moves on. Well, the lawyer saw this and said, That's quite clever. That's very good. So after the conference, the lawyers decide to copy the contractors on the return trip and save some money. When they get to the station, they buy a single ticket. To their astonishment, the contractors don't buy any tickets. How are you going to travel without a ticket, says one perfects lawyer. The contractor says, watch and you will see. They board the train. The three lawyers cram into the restroom. And the three contractors cram into another restroom that's nearby. The train departs. Shortly afterwards, one of the contractors leaves their restroom and walks to the restroom where the lawyers are hiding and says, Ticket, please. Now, all of us have watched some type of a building being constructed. Many of us here today have participated in the building of homes for the Habitat for Humanity. We see a group of people come together to build a home. There may be skilled carpenters, electricians, plumbers, but most of the people that come have no construction training whatsoever. But they all join together and follow all the steps needed to make a fully functional home. On the other extreme is the construction of a 60-plus story building. Where I sometimes work down in downtown Los Angeles, I'm right next door 
to what is now the tallest building west of the Mississippi River. Thousands of workers have been working for at least two years on that structure. Since my building is right next door, I have been able to watch the incredible planning and coordination it takes to build such a structure. At one point in time, they were building out the suites of the bottom floors while they were still putting up the steel skeleton at the top of the building. In between, you could see every single stage of construction that's needed to put together a monolithic building like that. Obviously, the Habitat for Humanity home or the skyscraper took many people to build them. The issue is true for the construction or reconstruction of our spiritual lives. We need the help of others. So where do we find those people to help us build or rebuild our lives? Actually, the construction crew is already put together. It's already ready to help us in our construction of our faith-filled lives. That construction crew is each and every one of us, the congregation at the Neighborhood Church. Each, of one, each one of us has skills and talents to be able to heap, help each other in constructing a new life in faith. That is another way of saying that we are a community called to help each other in answering the invitation of Jesus Christ and to follow the plan of Jesus in building our faith-filled lives. Once again, today, as I have the last two times I've done this, I'm using the words construct or reconstruct a, faith of a life of faith. I'll remind you that when I use these words, I mean that we are to build a life strongly centered in God and based upon the life, ministry, and teachings of Jesus. Now today I'm going to talk about three points of how we are to use that construction crew, in this case known as the Neighborhood Church, to help achieve that goal. The first point. After God created all the earth, and the heavens, God crowned his creation with a human being, made from the dust of the earth and the breath of heaven. He put Adam in the Garden of Eden with the responsibility of keeping the place clean, taking charge of it. Suddenly God discovers that something is missing. At Genesis 2.18, it is written, And the Lord God said, it is not good for a human being to be alone. The meaning of these words is that we are created to be in a community with one another. Look at your hands for a minute. Don't be embarrassed. Just look at them. Our hands are wonderfully and uniquely made. They're made up of 27 bones and a bunch of ligaments and muscles. Our fingers and palms have distinctive ridges that help us get a grip on things. They identify us with unique fingerprints. With a hand, we can throw a ball, drive a car, or help a friend. But our hands are so made that we cannot shake hands with ourselves very easily. 
We cannot pat, I can't do this at all, we cannot pat ourselves on the back very easily. And we cannot give ourselves, I'm not even going to try, to give ourselves a meaningful hug. We need other hands for that. Other hands other than our own. We are created to be in a community with one another. The worst form of human punishment is solitary confinement. No child likes to be sent to his room for disciplinary reasons. I spent many an hour in my room. Vietnam POWs survived the horrible isolation of what came to be known as the Hanoi Hilton by developing a tapping code that kept them in communication with one another. As former Air Force pilot Ron Bliss said, sometimes we sounded like a den of runaway woodpeckers. On Sundays, we joined together in the Lord's Prayer and the Pledge of Allegiance, all without our captors ever deciphering what we were doing. Once again, we are created to be a community with one another. Now, Judy and I just returned from a trip to New York. On a hot July night in 1977, the lights in New York went out. That night, looters took to the streets, bashing windows, robbing stores, injuring hundreds, including firemen and policemen. One woman was seen returning a stolen black-and-white TV, cursing disgustedly that she hadn't stolen a colored one. The lights went out again in 2003. Tourists were stranded outside their hotels. Commuters were gridlocked from getting home. Reporters wondered out loud what was going to happen that night. But instead of panic, there was a party. They had a party in New York. People slept safely on the streets. Uh, strangers tried out to sleep in anywhere they want, parks, etc. Strangers tried to help one another. And restaurants opened their doors to those who were hungry. And obviously, very pleased, Mayor Bloomberg said to the world, since 9-11, people have New, of New York have learned to be a community with one another. It's a paradox that we have both a hunger for and a feeling against community. Some sociologists have say for some time, interactions are waning between individuals in the age of loose connections such as the Internet or social media. People personally visit less with each other, belong to fewer groups, and often live alone. The more affluent we are, the more isolated we tend to be. We have quickly become a generation of people who live cocooned lives, tethered to our cell phone, barricaded behind our electric alarms, isolated from one another's even in our own homes. In this environment, it can be difficult to build a community, and we need help to do so. Second point. What institution on earth is better equipped to build a community and to help people construct lives of faith than a church congregation? And specifically, the congregation at this church, the neighborhood church. The church is not a place to see different things, but it is a place to see things differently. 
The church community is not just a place for the suffering to find comfort, but for the comfort to find suffering and thereby come closer to Jesus Christ. As Paul said to the Romans at 12.2, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you will be changed from the inside out. The absolute genius of the early Christian church was the ability of about 120 believers to take about 3,000 converts and form them into a community of faith. The numbers themselves are staggering. Our second scriptural reading for today from Acts 2, 42 through 47, is a summary of how they did it. They devoted themselves to the teachings of the apostles, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread together, and to prayer. They formed a community in which they helped each other construct their spiritual lives. That type of community calls for two things, covenant and compassion. A covenant is an agreement made perhaps in a moment of strength that carries with us through times of weakness and temptations. There are times when it's inconvenient to attend church, show up for Bible study, make a group meeting, to come to sing in the choir. That's when a covenant gets you there anyway. Take a second look at the covenant of this church printed in your order of worship. In the love of truth and the spirit of Jesus, we unite for the worship and service of God. For the purposes of today, the key words are, we unite for the worship and service of God. The word unite obviously means that we are to come together to serve God. These words are who we are and what we do. Are we truly living that covenant that we repeat every Sunday? Compassion. At Acts 2.44, the early church. They had everything in common and gave to those in need. The early church community sought to have common good over personal gain. They sought not to be served, but to serve. They asked not what they could do for themselves. They asked what they could do for others. They knew and understood that people do not care how much you know until they know how much you care. One of the great phrases of the Bible is, one another. Love one another. Pray for one another. Encourage one another. Admonish one another. Greet one another. Serve one another. Teach one another. Honor one another. Bear one another's burdens. Forgive one another. And importantly for today, in light of this week, do not speak hate to one another. Speak love to one another. In this congregation, are we demonstrating that kind of compassion? 
The third and last point. The same spirit that was present in the early church is present with us here today. I hope that many of us have said, yes, I want to construct or reconstruct a life so that I can have a meaningful life, a life of faith. I also hope that many of us have agreed to follow Jesus as a construction guide in building that life. And now, now it really and truly is time for this congregation to become a construction crew. Nobody's an island. Nobody builds alone. We have all been given the gifts needed to help each other to construct our lives of faith. As it is said in the first scriptural reading for today from Romans, For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function. So we, who are many, are one body in Christ. And individually, we are members of one another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministry, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. At the neighborhood church, we are a community. We are a congregation that has all the attributes that Paul talks about. In using the gifts that we have been given, What might happen if we dedicated ourselves to helping each other build a life in faith? If our families got together once a week to discuss the worship service and explore a life that really matters, what kind of a difference would be made if a few friends or couples got together to intentionally explore a life based upon the meaning of Jesus Christ? Maybe, maybe we'll all become members of the Bible classes and book classes that are going to be taught at this church in the fall and in the spring. The doors are open. The welcome mats are out. Or maybe, just maybe, we need to make a connection today. Out there in what I will call the construction zone after this service. People will be there to help each and every one of us build a strong, faith-filled life. Yes, we have the construction crew right here in this congregation. Two things have to happen to make it so. First, we have to ask. And second, We have to accept. I hope that both happen today. Amen.